I've realized watching the Clone Wars, the TV show, actually, it, it kind of bugs me as I'm watching the Clone Wars, the TV show. Um, Ahsoka, when she has her lightsaber out, does the Naruto run. She does. Well, you know why, right? Because Clone Wars is an anime. It is, though. George Lucas confirmed, yeah, it's an anime. So my final takeaway from this thought is, why the frig during the raid on Area 51 uh, time of Reddit, that era, didn't we see Ahsoka doing the Naruto run to Area 51? I bet I could find it. There's definitely one. There's definitely There's got to be one, but it wasn't definitely. popular. And it Back at a better time, right before the world started going to hell. Um, actually, that was before a child got stuck with a gorilla. Harambe got mm -hmm. shot. I mean, that's really that's that, where that, it started. That, that is where the timeline diverted. But like that, the newest fork is when we went into Area 51 and we unleashed something very bad. Clearly, uh, we didn't even make it into Area 51, though. Yeah, we did. The news covered it up. We made it in. I mean, uh, I'm probably from a different timeline, you know, the Berenstein problem thing. So <laughs> I guess we're remembering things incorrectly. I'm stuck in a different timeline. Why buy a comic that might cost more than a time? Come meet the brothers who are here to waste your time. A conversation <laughs> for another day. Welcome back <laughs> to the Dime Comic Bros podcast with your friends speaking to you. Because you have no friends, so we're here to talk to you about comics. Maybe You're not supposed to insult the audience. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. F you guys. <laughs> Fair enough. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to go on with the news. Spencer. Oh, okay. Um, it's a really, really light news week. It, I'm pretty disappointed. But it's, it's kind of nice to not have 50 things at the same time. Um, it is very nice, because then I don't have to sit here while you drone on about like the first topic for... 12 paragraphs fair <laughs> um so usually we don't cover the the nitty the the day-to-day -day comic news but something kind of big uh death metal finally wrapped up with issue number seven and uh dc future state started on the same day this past dc i believe it's tuesday whenever their comics come out death metal Sad. lasted seven issues seven primary issues and then you have all the spin-offs and the the, the ancillary books it's oh, seven primaries oh. in the same in the main series okay i understand what you mean now yeah. insert sad metal noises here future state started and it's apparently already pretty much sold out everywhere they have to go into a second publishing already sorry second. wow so that's cool um, and then uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse <clears throat> of Madness is on a temporary hold for COVID reasons. Appar I saw that. Apparently somebody probably got diagnosed and we'll be back in like a month. Yeah, probably. That's literally all the news. There's nothing. It was a very dead week and I'm kind of happy about it. I'm fine with that because then we could probably go on to what we've been consuming. Colin, what have you been consuming? Okay, so I forgot to talk about this last week. I started and finished the Harley Quinn show, the both, cartoon one. Both seasons? Yeah, nice. um, within like a weekend. And um, I watched it, I was wrapping presents and such. Aww. And Jacob, you had a very bad review of that show, I think, because I don't think it's anything like Archer, except for it's like, it doesn't take itself seriously, except for when it's um, conversations between characters personally like how Harley Quinn is about the Joker and how 
um, Poison Ivy is with Kite Man and Harley Quinn. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, I love that show, actually. It's not a show that really does anything important other than just have Harley Quinn as the main antagonist of the whole DC universe in that time in that um, universe at least and I thought they did very well it was it took itself seriously and then it didn't take itself seriously I love how they wrote Clayface as not a serious character but like fully engulfed in being I'm still an actor uh, he's a little bit retarded yeah and I love that and um King Shark was probably my favorite character wow King Shark was awesome I loved King Shark okay um also, I think I kept watching because Poison Ivy reminds me a lot. Like, this version of Poison Ivy reminds me a lot of Abby. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, am I f- Kite Man? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like how I'd never liked. Um, this is stupid. It's a spoiler, but like, whatever. Everyone knows this anyway in other continuities of DC. But Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn together as a couple, yeah. I never liked that. Really? I never liked it. Uh, I mean, I guess, but this version, I don't like it mainly because I am very personal. Um, like I have a personal connection towards Poison Ivy because she reminds me of my girlfriend. So her leaving Kite Man. So it feels like you being cucked IRL. Yes. (laughs) No, not really. But a little bit. I mean, I guess if, so how I am with shows is I fully dive in. And Abby's told me this before. She doesn't like watching some things with me because I just, I can't make jokes or anything. I get mad with people if they're interrupting a show. Even if I've seen it 10 times before, I watch it like I've never seen it before. So I actually really, really liked Harley Quinn. And it is one of my comfort shows now. Acceptable answer. Yes. (laughs) Excuse me for not seeing Poison Ivy as your girlfriend when I watched it. (laughs) So much like her, so much, just like plant lady, <laughs> and like I have a problem with people, but not with you, because I love you, kite man. Hell yeah. Uh Jacob, what have you been up to? Oof. I'm gonna start uh loud and heavy. Ooh. Uh I ingested almost all of metal. Yeah! Damn. Um, so I read the original Metal Run 1 through 6, uh, Dark Knight's Rising and Dark Knight's Resistance, according to a guide that I found online and several others that pretty much agreed with it. Um, because, all right, so right up front, I'm going to give it four out of five stars. It would have been five, but you have to follow the story across these three books, and it's out of order and confusing and frustrating and it's not easy when it should have been it should have been really hate having to jump to other books because you had the same review about what was it like x-men or something because i was listening Mm -hmm. to a couple podcasts ago and you were talking about like the same you're like having the same problem about a story you're reading it wasn't x-men x-men was all in one book and i read it like an actual freaking book no it bugged me having to like find each issue that I had to read next instead of having it in one book. But Mm -hmm. besides that, it is an amazing read. It (laughs) was so good. 
probably made better because I'm a metalhead and listen to a lot of metal, but I don't think you really have to listen to metal to appreciate this series. The original metal run can't stand by itself. You have to read these other two books because especially near the end, there are characters that uh, come from out of left field and I would have been confused about their appearance if I hadn't been reading the other stuff. Um, Dark Knights Rising, I kind of want to spoil a little bit, but not much. You find out in the first issue or two of Metal. The world is being taken over by different versions of the Batman, and they're all evil. So seven evil variations of Batman. So... The Dark Knight's Rising book is an issue per evil Batman variation variant. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then the Resistance is kind of weird. It, it has uh, the Teen Titans and the Suicide Squad and a bunch of those guys um, helping recover Gotham and like helping the main Justice League that's working over in metal. So like metal is just covering the justice league pretty much. And then the resistance is covering the suicide squad and all those like B team guys that are doing, uh, other work against other big characters. So it really fills in the plot holes of metal very, very well. Jacob, you had a note, something you, you screen capped and sent to us, which I think was the best response to, um, uh, the the reaction of where the hell is this coming from or what's this in reference to um just being devil horns that's great yeah just the rock fist it's it is very metal just get over it i'll have to read it yes it, I, I will lend you my books once i'm done please it do. is quite the epic um epic. i enjoyed it i've got two other books to read the tales of the dark universe and the batman who laughs and then in april i will have heavy metal nice it's good you will have read doomsday cock because that's also relevant yay uh so i read the book tour which i lent from colin uh from last week uh written by andy written and illustrated by andy watson basically everything you said i agree with (laughs) isn't it good though I really, really enjoy the, it's depressing, honestly. It is very black comedy. It is a... But I wasn't, it didn't make me feel depressed. No, exactly. It is a very, it's a somehow a comfort read, but it also makes you feel very lonely because the, to illustrate how that happens, a lot of um, the primary driving force of that is the fact that the character is like constantly being rejected and turned away and people are just acting really weird around him. Uh-huh. And he's constantly walking around streets like at night by himself just because he gets shuffled around so much because of the plot. Because so, of the book tour. Right. There's just so much room to breathe. And it's just... yeah. And if you compare the amount... like You could probably cut the book in half if you make the walking sections shorter... But if you take the, the like the percentage of dialogue sections and then compare that to the amount of walking around and no dialogue, mm-hmm. it's very high, just chilling on like European streets. Yeah. And it conveys without color and, or lighting at all. Yeah. Um, it conveys a very lonely world, but it's not lonely, not entirely hopeless. Like it's not um, 
bleak. It's just isolating. It's because he refu- it's like he refuses to feel sad because he's like, oh, this is happening. Pretty much. Um, I it really was a page turner. I read it in yeah. two sections. Um, they might have both been trips to the toilet. And it wasn't long. Like, total read time was, like, maybe 45 minutes. It's so good, though. It was really good. Time passed differently. I enjoyed reading it. I liked how vague it was for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, not just the ending, although, f- that ending. Right? Uh, <laughs> now, that ending. I want to reread it so I can figure out what's going Me on. Me, too! I want to know if there is an answer in there that you can find or if it's just pulling my leg. Um, it's probably just pulling my leg. It's probably just supposed to be anticlimactic. I have theories, but I don't really think it's supposed to be theorized about. Uh, I don't really think so either, but like, I, I love that book. And it's so weird because it gives me, like you said, it was like, it's alone. It's lonely in how it is presented, but I don't feel lonely reading it. I feel at home. Like I feel a connection. Like I, that's like, it, it's like, I'm just living my life. Yeah. So it's simultaneously um, about a lot of the, fears and, and struggles of artists of different sorts, but also it's just very translatable across the board. Yes. Like you can switch out what he's doing for a lot of different things. And it's just rejection, rejection. And he's just like, all the time, you, you know, know, trying to love his wife, trying to love his son and just nothing's really working. Mm-hmm. And it's just trying book, to be nice to people. And the book ends on a low note and it's like, and we're done. Oh, anyways, I'm going to go buy a copy at some point. It's yeah. on my list. I need it. Much, much like it is so good, Jacob. I think would actually like it. Yeah, you would like it. Wow, it, it's not really a deep meaning book. It's kind of like straight up. It, That's surprising. I don't like much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, strong recommend. Uh, I like. I have no gripes with it. I found it interesting because the writer is normally someone who does like children's books. Yeah, so it's a very ah. Uh, it's one of those things where it is, it's like an old school family movie. It is family friendly, but like, it's not just for kids. Mm-hmm. Like y- y- there's definitely adult elements to it, but it's mostly alluded to. There isn't like a lot of anything gross or like st- stupidly serious in it. It's, but it, because it's approached in a ironically comical sort of fashion. Yeah. But it still feels like it's very much so written for adults because kids, like the theming will just go over their heads. Yep. Anywho, uh, Colin. So I finished reading uh, Joker Killer Smile, and I don't like it at all. (laughs) Please do elaborate. So while reading it, it felt watching our main character, the or or our protagonist turned antagonist. um, I forget his name, but he was the um, psychologist for Joker. Like every other psychologist, he thinks he could help. He thinks he could uh, understand Joker and find his his little find, find the little the little minions in his brain, so he can help other guys that are that are potentially going to be like the Joker, like the and, uh, characters that are dressed in denim. Those minions. Oh like, yes, yeah, <laughs> of course. I don't know. He felt super cringy to me in how he thought that he could actually do anything, and then. I, I saw I saw the turns coming. I could see that oh he's going to go Maybe insane. The Joker. You're not gonna, turn- 
Don't spoil it for me. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure I already did that. Yeah, I'm it's, pretty sure. You can tell where all the turns are. You in can the story. tell. It's it's bad. It's like bad in that way where it's like, oh, Joker turned another guy insane. What the f- do? Joker's done that before. What's so special about this guy? And the ending. I mean, I like the how Batman did, part of the that's ending. That's what I was gonna say. Is how did you like the 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 one shot that was included? That was the <coughs> other side of that equation. Uh, I thought it, that was actually interesting. Like I was like, okay, and then I was like, well, what the? F-? There's a sequel, right? I don't think so. Okay, f- me. That that's so f- <laughs> stupid. I don't but like what the. F- so dumb and it's just a dude that's like hey joker turned the guy insane again oh guess what and the guy turned insane put on clown makeup and is going to kill try to kill his wife for stealing his son it's not like we've seen it a lot but we hear it all the time right and it's not like we see it in person or anything or like like from the first person yeah but it's, it's like i don't care i don't care I do not care. But if you're showing me some weird um, child trauma to do with Bruce before his parents dies and somehow it's linked with the Joker. Yeah. Cause that's what the, like the last issue was. I'm like, yeah, that's way better. Miles better than what we got for the whole thing. How did you like the art? Meh. I mean, actually I like how they draw Batman and I like some parts of it. Um, But at the, at the same time, I don't like how they drew our main antagonist, and also Joker looked way too human to me. I mean, that's the point, but like, I personally don't like Joker looking like a human. So, have like, you read Harleen then? I haven't read Harleen. He hasn't. We're, um, it's another thing. That's next on my list of books I need to lend him because I do think you're going to like that. I might like that. I think you will. Um, it was my favorite book of last year. You better <gasps> like it. I don't like Joker Killer Smile at all. I oof, give it like not even a one out of ten. See, I did like it, but I understand everything you just said. It's just a matter of those things don't bug me as much. I'm just bored <laughs> of that. I'm just like, wow, I just wasted. I feel like I just wasted my time. Which is ironic because it only takes like 30 minutes to read. But it took you a month. It took me a <laughs> month because ADHD. <laughs> All right. That would be ADFHD. Can we clip that out and use that like all the time? Because that's a really good thing to have on hand during the <laughs> editing process whenever we go off and just do something dumb. ADHD. Which part? D. Ah. ADHD. We can turn that into its own end segment. Here are all the weird rabbit trails we went on. Jacob, what have you been up to? So last week I read Blade. The Vampire Hunter. This week, I read Morbius, the Living Vampire. <laughs> oh. oh, somebody's on a vampire kick. Nah, I was just trying to find short runs because work has been busy. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is the 2019 run written oh. by Vida Ayala. Ooh. I hope I said that right. I have all the credits here, but I'm not going to read all these names because I don't know how to pronounce half of them. Yeah. Anyway, kind of interesting story it starts you off in the middle and then fills in all the blanks it's kind of how the story is written and i can live with it um it explains who morbius is what his uh story arc is uh how do you how, how do they describe it in dungeons and dragons what's your drive what's your 
tragedy. You're, I don't know. Anyway. Motivation. Motivation. Thank you. They explain his motivations. Um, the first issue was a little bit rough. Uh, and then from then on, Spider-Man is in it. And that brought the series way up. So Morbius is like... This series was kind of like reading a uh, Fantastic Four series because Mr. Fantastic is like always uh, throwing in his scientific anecdotes and really drying up the read for my liking. But um, that's kind of the point of Fantastic Four is there's science nerds and stuff. So um, likes it dry. No, I just said the exact opposite of no, that. He likes... Not dry. It's that whack, that wet ass comic. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, Morbius is a super smart scientist, so he's quoting uh, philosophers all the time and uh, science stuff and and doctors' notes. Um, so it was cool. Nerds. It was cool to see him. <laughs> yeah, you are. No. It was cool to see him geek out with Spider-Man uh, and try to fix Morbius's issue. What I didn't like about this run, it was five issues, and at the end of the fifth issue, it says, coming up next in issue six, and <laughs> that never happened because it was canceled. Oh, big surprise. That's I didn't even know there was a, a Morbius run in 2019 because he's also, like Blade, had very, very few runs over the decades that he's existed. Mm-hmm. When are we supposed to get that movie? It is coming out, I believe, in the summer, which is weird because it doesn't feel like a, a movie that should be in the summer. No, but it feels like October. It was also supposed to come out this October, and I mean, last should October, probably be speaking. Oh, February. Really? Yeah, it was supposed to come out in 2020, but, you know. COVID. Yes. Yes. Is he a sexiest Jared Leto? I wouldn't use sexy as an adjective for either of those. Well, you don't I like, agree. You don't like the fact that Jared Leto has his own cult? I think that's pretty hot. Don't, don't you think? Man's got his own cult. You are in far too many cults for your own good. That's very true. Get the f*** out. Spencer, without talking about any of your cults, what else have you consumed this week? So going back to the whole black label book, smell sexy thing. Um, I read the question deaths of Vic Sage, which is a four issue uh, black label miniseries written by Jeff Lemire and Ennis and illustrated by Dennis Cohen. Um, so you're telling me that black label books smell like Jared Leto. Probably. <laughs> probably. That's gross. I have very little familiarity with the question, to be entirely honest. Um, I read a lot of the the original Charlton comic stuff back in the beginning when he was very much so an objectivist, very sketchy, yikes, um, but interesting stuff nonetheless to an extent. I only remember him from the Justice League cartoon. Yeah. And he was He was awesome. He was badass looking through trash. I'm like, whoa, I totally forgot that you could find evidence in trash while I go through everyone's trash in my household at five. <laughs> I do remember doing those sorts of dumb things. Yep. Um, yeah. So this book is kind. I don't want to. I don't want to say it's a love letter to the collected history of this character, but it gives me a little bit of those vibes. Um, it's illustrated by one of the most prolific um, illustrators who worked on the question when he came over to DC, being Dennis Cohen. Um, I don't really like the art very much. Um, it's not bad. 
I do like the illustrator and a lot of other things. It just, in this book, the combination of pencils and ink and colors just doesn't work. Wait, so is the art on the cover the same as in the book? Yes, but only in the, 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 the figure on it is, but the style that the cover is in is not how the book is. I hate when that happens. Yeah. Um, so I, I do like the, the detail. The faces are pretty detailed and, emo- and, and emotive. For the most part, I think the somewhat pencil sketch style does work, but the ink is very thin and uniform. It's, um, there's been a, I don't want to say a conspiracy, but there's been a thing lately with DC and having kind of skimping out on inking. Um, there's been some stuff going around on forum boards and stuff. And it feels like this book was one of the ones that kind of got the butt end of that. The inking, not to throw the inker out of the bus, but it felt very, very lazy and just there. And then that in combination with a very bright, more like vibrant color palette did not fit a the tone or be the character in my opinion it let's take the what do you mean by the lines though the lines i thought were good but when they're the lines unfinished no like like there are spaces in between them no i mean the like the line work i have no issues with but it gets deteriorated when the inking is done poorly the inking is literally just put like it's like when you you sketch something in pencil yeah and then you put pen over it uh-huh. that's it that's literally it there's so there's like no erasing of the sketching uh there is like it's all been covered in the ink it, it's hard to describe it just doesn't I'll have to look at it Big. it's interesting like I, it's a style in a lot of other books i've seen work well but yeah. it, in this it feels wrong Take the the color that you see, like a lot of people have seen the question from Justice League Unlimited. Yep. Take that exact color palette, exactly how vibrant that is. Oh. And that's all of it. Oh. It's weird. For a character that is on the ground, detective man, a bit it sketchy, uh, it doesn't blend with the book at all. Okay. Um, but on the, the flip side of that, there are sections that do not take place in modern day, and I think it works for those. I have mixed feelings on the art. Like I said, I like I like Dennis Cohen's work. It just, in this, it feels like um, maybe there wasn't enough time spent on it. There wasn't a lot of communication mm-hmm. between the inker, penciler, and colorist. I'm not quite sure what was up with that. The story itself, I thought was interesting. It didn't hook me or anything. Um, I'm not going to spoil too much, but it's kind of it takes the different versions of the question from the different continuities and they kind of all make sense together. The question is. Kind of. <laughs> I don't hate the idea. It's just doesn't, it just doesn't do it for me. And it might uh-huh. be because the art is very uniform throughout the different time periods. And it isn't very creative when it comes to non-physical things. I'm going to leave it there. It just, it's uh, fine. Like, it's not a bad book. It was written fairly competently. I thought the dialogue was solid, but that's really it. So uh, to backtrack to the art. So <clears throat> I'll have to look at the book because I'm saying this without any knowledge of the book. But with line art, sometimes line art can look really shitty because you sketch something out and the sketch looks amazing, right? It's because of all the many lines in sketching. Your brain uh, picks out the lines it likes and shows you those lines subconsciously and that's what makes you like it and when those lines aren't drawn over and they're erased and other lines drawn over the art starts looking weird so one thing that 
I learned recently about line art is that sometimes you don't want to finish the line art. Yeah. What you want to do is you want to keep some space. Sometimes you want to like um, be a little bit more conservative with your uh, um, with your lines in general because you don't want to do too many lines on like such a small drawing. Yeah. You just want to do like just the right ones to emphasize the big lines on yeah. someone. No, I know what you mean. It's so just, it, it's it, not like that. Okay. It's, That's why I was asking. I feel like you can probably pinpoint uh, at least ideas on why it is the way it is. Mm-hmm. And as I usually do, I'm going, I'm giving this the benefit of the doubt as much as I humanly can. It just, which you it, always do. Yeah. It just, it takes away from what I think is a very interesting story. That's pretty well written. And the mm-hmm. the premise of how it all wraps together is cool. Mm-hmm. It just, when art doesn't match story, it's, pretty rough yes and that's it's just odd coming from the artist who's worked on the question though for the longest period of time it's just odd but it's uh, fine but to move on smell better than it read weird moving on um so what i've been consuming the last one is i started watching a anime that i've been wanting to get into for a while but i was worried about getting into it so this anime is called Darling in the Franks. I knew what I was getting myself into. It was something, it, how it is, it's kind of like uh, Evangel- uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, where it's to do with um, robots being pilot- piloted by teenagers, but instead of one pilot and only three robots and three pilots, um, there's they're like units and they're like trying to keep what they have called the garden um, and such protected from these like monsters that are trying to destroy the city because the city is taking magma magma from the core for fueling. And I don't know what it's fueling yet. Cause I'm halfway through and, but the actually the magma also helps fuel these robots that are trying to destroy, that are trying to defend the garden from these monsters trying to destroy the garden. And these robots are piloted by two pilots uh, a female and a male and the female they call them pistols and they call the male stamen why though so how it's set up is there's a guy in the back and a woman in the front this is very sexualized Yikes. and basically it's a innuendo for sex and part and having sex with a partner and being compatible with a partner so in that sense it's really weird um, and I didn't know that was going to happen. And I was like, okay, this is weird. And the woman is basic or the girl is basically like laying forward and on her hips, there's like these controls that come out from the body armor. And it's like, so she is the weapon and she is, uh, controls the rope basically controls a robot, but the guy is helping steer her. I'm really uncomfortable with this premise. You didn't it's tell weird. us you watched hentai. You said it was anime. It's anime. It's not hentai. I swear. Um, this one is quite horny in that aspect, but any other aspect, it's not really other than the, you know, the usual anime perviness, which depending on, depending on what you've seen and and comparing that with what I've seen, anime perviness isn't that bad. But moving on, the I really enjoy the relationships between characters. And it's ultimately talking about humanity because one of the pistols 
is half human, half one of these monsters that they're killing. Oh, so it's bestiality. No, f*** off. <laughs> yes, it's bestiality. She basically is trying to... She is called the partner killer because she's killed three of her partners. Be- uh, because these... They're not just controlling the, uh, the mechs. They are, like, linked to the mechs. Interlinked. So they, yes, they're interlinked. Um, and so she killed three of her partners because she consumed the human in them because she be- wants to become more human. So she's fully human, except for she has, like, these little red horns that come out. And so far, I'm trying to... F- I'm watching... I'm almost done. I started, like, yesterday, and I bought the... And there's four DV, uh, four Blu-ray discs altogether. Yeah, I'm I'm usually down for things. I'm like, okay if like, you don't watch this. Like I, I I understand using a lot of sexual ideas, and I don't mm-hmm. usually have a problem with it. I'm pretty sure I'm not a prude by any means, but that's just like yikes. I maybe it's just the way you're describing it, but like how you say it, it's is way. I feel like it's way worse than how it actually is compared to a lot of anime that I refuse to watch. Because I'm is, I'm actually conservative considering with anime. That's why I avoid most of it is I'm, I, I will vet I, it through somebody else who isn't just watching it because it's hot. And I'm like, oh, is there anything other than just titties here? You know, I just like this. I actually truly like the story. I don't recommend it to either of you guys. I don't think you're going to enjoy it. But I do recommend Neon Genesis Evangelion. I'm getting to that. My goodness. So I'm, I'm, I have it in my Amazon wish if, list. If there's if what's Amazon, just watch on Netflix. I like buying things. Leave me alone. We're called the Dime <laughs> Comic Bros Thank Podcast. You. And don't you call me the hooligan that keeps buying all the comics. I have a condition. <laughs> what the stupid? <laughs> yes. <laughs> As you bought like six omnibuses a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I only spent 30% of my second stimulus check at the comic book store, okay? I don't get a stimulus check because I keep getting claimed. <laughs> anyway, I haven't finished Darling in the Franks, but I really like it, so. Wow. <clears throat> sure. Hang on, I'm evolving a Pokemon. Pokemans. <laughs> Speaking of anime. Whirlipede. Playing Pokemon. It's crazy. He's never played Pokemon before? Nope. Never. What? This is my first one. A late 90s kid and didn't have Pokemon. Did you, are you playing Shield? No, I'm playing Go. It's the first thing oh. he's done. Okay, to get an thought, idea. Okay, I thought, how I thought he was playing one of the newer ones on the Switch. No, for a, a starting point for someone who's never touched a game, just to have an idea what goes on, it's not the worst entry. That's Clearly, true. mechanics are entirely different, but like just an idea of what it looks and feels like whatever well i mean yes and no but my go-to for that is to have them try to play emerald if they're able to emerald yeah that was my first ever pokemon game see my gut says go full boomer and just say you need to play one of the gen one games but it gen two or gen three is probably a better idea for I those think gen who are the best one I disagree, but by a margin, but more so for people who aren't. Uh, I'm biased. They're about not this opinion. Right. The they're clearly I am. Uh, that aren't already invested. Playing the original first two gens can be kind of difficult just because of the graphical differences. Yep. 
like the jump from the Game Boy and the Game Boy Color to the Game Boy Advance is big enough if you're like a very casual person. Yeah. Just full color, vaguely 3D-ish. Like it's just more interesting to read versus the first two games are almost text-based because of the because of how rough the pixel count is. That's why I don't try to play those. I mean, three is my favorite because it has my favorite starter Pokemon. Blaziken is my favorite. And I got him in Pokemon X when I had the 3DS too. Nice. Because there was an event going on where you could get it. Yeah. And I got him and I was I was jizzing my pants. Nice. I am and my brother I'm, got me another one, nice. so I had two of them in the game. I'm very much so a grass type starter almost every time. Even that's you almost, so are. I even, can see you as that, dude. I am. I am a Bulbasaur stand all the way. Oh my word! Even though almost every single generation, the grass starter is probably the worst option. They're so f- cute. You know what's, you know what's funny? Um, you can for, you for can red. Work, you can work with them for first gen. My my pick was Bulbasaur though. Bulbasaur was so Squirtle. Cute, it was Squirtle. Yeah, I had to. I, I just, I don't know. The dragon? Meh. I don't know. I, I, and he's not even a dragon type. Yeah, that's weird. That's weird. I mean, dragon type didn't exist yet. Anyway, Jacob, that's what have you been doing? So I've got two little things that I want to talk about because they're so so little. I watched Marvel Legends 1 and 2 technically this morning. It released today. Um First one was Scarlet Witch, and the second one was Vision. I'm a little confused about why they made it a separate thing, why they made it Marvel Legends on Disney+. Plus. It's basically what we thought it would be. It's just a little teaser or refresher course of what's happened to the characters to try to catch you up so that you can watch their new show that's coming out next week. Like, It just shows you all the old footage and that's it teases their show. So you guys are having a full blown conversation psychically. I see your lips moving, but don't hear anything because you're trying to be polite. Yeah. Colin are you sure you're not a married couple talking about? So I enlightened him and then he was like, Oh yeah, the show is coming. And I'm like, yeah, we're getting two episodes next week. And I think it's a total of eight episodes it might be six. It's under 10. I know it's definitely under 10. See, we have these really fast conversations all the time. And speed. Yeah. So anyway, um, it was interesting to see a certain character, uh, you know, highlighted through all the movies, especially these two. They didn't get the front and center very often in those movies. They kind of hid in the background or amongst the group. So it was really interesting mm-hmm. to have them highlighted. Um but yeah, 13 minutes of teaser for WandaVision that comes out next week. My gut says that they are uh, doing that so it's more watch time, like like uh, because it's a different thing and you don't you weren't necessarily watching it as a starter to the new shows or whatever because they're going to do it for lots of different characters. So it's like it's a different thing, so you can get more watch time rather than have it as like a pro an optional prologue to the series. That's what my head's thinking money wise would make sense. Yeah, I guess that's. Dumb. Anyway, my other quick, really, really, really quick thing was I read Black Widow number one from 2020. Wow. By, wait for it. I'm waiting. Kelly Thompson. I'm uninformed. Spencer. Same. Also, though. Wow. Okay. Um, Man who knows it all doesn't know. (laughs) This Kelly Thompson. Shut up. I don't know everything. I'm surprised. 
Sorry, Jacob. Was... I'm so sorry. <laughs> the art was kind of simplistic, but it wasn't offensive. I actually kind of liked it. Um, there was quite a bit of action. She is a super spy and does super spy things in the beginning of the book. And that was portrayed really, really well. Um, there's enough intrigue to keep me intrigued. I think there's three out, but the numbers two and three aren't on Marvel's app yet. I'm sure there's a delay uh, from paper to digital, so it would make sense, but I want more. Nice. Nice. That's good to hear because I never really cared to look into Black Widow. So far, the only comic I've been reading that's like has Black Widow is the Daredevil one that I started mm. reading and I'm so close mm. to finishing, but I have not finished it. Nice. I never thought that I would like read an ish a uh, uh, run just based on Black Widow, but uh, I saw that it was one issue. I was like, sure, I'll give it a try, and I really like it. So that's awesome to hear. I really like that short period of time when her and Winter Soldier teamed up for their own series. Well. Oh, I remember reading that issue, I, actually. Yeah. I did kind of like that, but obviously that's not a solo series. I have read zero Black Widow solo series. I would like to change that at that, some point. That's good to hear because I'm having a hard time caring about like DC and Marvel female superheroes because that Wonder Woman read that you give, you've let me borrow, I am not liking it at all. Really? I'm having a hard time with this version of Wonder Woman. We're going to talk about that next week I when don't you're like, done. I don't, I don't know if I can finish it. I really don't like her attitude. What do you mean? Please explain. I don't know. I just like, I had to skim through and I'm just like, this just feels weird because I have a hard time with Amazonians in general hmm. and like some versions of Wonder Woman, I can see where they're trying to get into the right way of like, Wonder Woman's supposed to be that character that's like, um, you need to stop being uh, dicks to women and then to the women that are dicks to guys you need to stop being dicks to guys like i th that wonder woman's great but like every time i see wonder woman sometimes like in the new frontier it felt like uh remember that you didn't cartoon? like her in the new frontier in the beginning i didn't because i felt like she was being like oh man you know so do you see what i meant by that but then i went to rewatch it that was me as like like a couple years ago and then i rewatched it recently i'm like oh that's why she was like them because they were assholes and i didn't know that as a kid you might like dead earth then I which is weird like, because dead earth would. feel it feels like if you don't it's not a good intro to wonder woman so just as a as a better understanding of what you're saying um so for anybody listening he is speaking of uh wonder woman earth one volume one i thought that that would be a decent starting point for it's you, really it's hard because it's a, a mostly self-contained story so do you, you aside from the attitude part you do not like the stories that are more focused on the the demigod the, the amazonian stuff do you prefer do you prefer wonder woman as the the warrior or do you prefer wonder woman the superhero do you like diana prince the person i like i think i i think when it comes to characters it's i think i'm more about who they are rather than what they're doing do you know what i mean yeah like how I am with perfect example to Batman, right? Christian Bale and Ben Affleck, mm -hmm. both really good, right? I think Christian Bale is super cool in what he does, 
But that version of Batman seems bland to me. Or and Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. where Ben Affleck, Batman, there's so much trauma and past that we haven't seen and that is like coming out. There's just so much character in this Bruce Wayne and this Batman. And also he does really cool shit. I need to find you a good Wonder Woman book. This is my personal quest right now. I'm so, I'm I know so, they're I'm out weird there. about character about reads. It's not just about art. It's really about the people, the characters. I'm really about character based comics. It might be just because the Earth One books are the slight the the turn of the 2010s, like a little extra cynical and a little extra grounded. Just because, so it might. I don't think that's my thing. I don't think I can do that. That's what I'm saying. Is that might be because Wonder Woman typically is further away from that area, just yeah. like in a similar way to Superman. Even though I think I think she's the a step closer to the cynical end than Superman is. Depends on the writer, obviously. Yeah, because there's sometimes where you write Superman where it's like, you're just seeing Superman, you're not seeing Clark, and right. then you're just like not seeing Kal-El. And it's like, I like the stories that are about I think Kal-El. I think we're just going to go with Dead Earth. I think I think that's what I'm going to have you try next, then. I probably will have there, to. It's not, I don't want to say it's very internal focus, because like, it's not, ah, oh, she has different identity. She is just one, there is only one thing. Like, you know, sometimes it's like, well, you have the Wonder Woman bit, you have the Diana bit, like, it's just Wonder Woman and she's got memory loss. So like... Damn. Screw it. That's that's my Hail Mary right now. Um, okay. I got to make you like Wonder Woman because the character's great and you like the character in lots of other things, but like the like actual it. source material you don't. And I'm confused. Like, so I think my favorite Wonder Woman is like Justice League. Yes. Unlimited Wonder Woman. And also Gal Gadot, Gadot Wonder Woman. He makes my head hurt. I um, make a lot of people's head I back up Colin quite a bit. Like anything I've tried with Wonder Woman by herself, it's like... All of the men are assholes intentionally yep. written that way so that she can be like, oh my gosh, men suck. I'm just yes. going to punch them all. Like it's all very intentional in its positioning and it's annoying to read. It's not a realistic uh, portrayal of life. <laughs> like yet anybody of any gender can be an asshole, but they're not all like that. That's why I liked um, the newest Wonder Woman movie is because our bad guy wasn't a bad guy, really. You are a bad guy, but that does not mean you, you are, are a bad, bad guy. guy. <laughs> Interlinked. But yeah, that like that's why I like uh, Pedro Pascal's character because he's not like a dick. He's just kind of like he's you know he's just a guy, a typical guy that wants a name for himself. What guy doesn't want a name for themselves? And then he turns it around and is like, okay, I forgot. I love my son. <laughs> Main topic. Uh, I didn't get to my third. <gasps> I'm so sorry, honey. Thanks. <laughs> I made you uncomfortable. That's not difficult to do. I went through a bunch of back issues um, and found the uh, first issue of Ultimate Spider-Man, Ultimate X-Men, Ultimate Fantastic Four, The Ultimates, and The Ultimates 2. Oh my, f- that's a lot of Ultimate. Because... The ultimate um, imprint of Marvel, even though it came out roughly when I was born slash infant, um, was still extremely impactful on, um, I think most people can see the, the impact it had on uh, the adaptations, especially at the time. And then yeah. when it got, how it pushed main continuity in that somewhat more in line with like pop Garfield. culture. 
yes, that's another whole conversation. Um, but like most people's uh, default to start you on a Spider-Man run is Ultimate Spider-Man, even yep. though it is really early two thousands. It's a bit tacky, and it's, it's the not, way to go. It's not. There's a. It's a bit rough around the edges, like literally. Like it is but a, a bit. Lot of Spider-Man comics are. Yes, but I mean that's in the fact of it leans further into the fact that like Peter Parker's kind of a dick in the beginning, like, like in the, the OG OG books, like in the first, first issue way back, like he's a dumbass and he's a bit of a dick. And then he learns his lesson and it gets better. It's like, it's very that. And that's not how most people remember it. So the, the disconnect is there, but anyways, um, the, of a lot of the original ultimate line of books had a very big impact on my comic reading. Cause that's kind of where I started. Mm-hmm. It's weird to say, cause it started being published when I was born, but ultimate Spider-Man in particular was like, that's what got me into comics. Um, not what got me buying them, but that's what got me into reading them in the first place that. And then a lot of the other books at the time. So I wanted to have those on hand. They're not really worth anything. It was back. It was during the big boom of like variant covers aside from car, you know, currently with the madness we're in. Yep. Um, well, I just wanted to kind of bag and board them and have them on a shelf. I, there's a couple of other lines I want to pick up, but they were, even though that entire imprint went up and down a lot and had a lot of weird stuff in it and a lot of contradictory elements. I just, I have nostalgia. So I picked them up and I read them. Obviously I actually sat down on the floor in the store and just read them. Cause they're, they're smaller issues. So, and they're cool with that? Yeah. Awesome. I was in the sale room out back. So oh, nobody true. else is back That's there. true. Anywho, that's what I did. It isn't a lot to talk about out of it. It was just me having a nostalgia trip for, you know, my childhood. That's awesome. I love when that happens. They were also all right next to each other, and I was kind of happy about that. I didn't have to dig around. It was just one person sold them, and they're just right next to each other. I, was like, I oh. love when that happens because I've done that trying to look for old Batman comics. Yeah. Um, I want to go – uh and by since i have uh batman's uh four and five you know the zero year yeah of that run what is that new 52 new 52 yep of the new 52 oh I that's wanna, scott I wanna, snyder greg capullo stuff mm. i at least want to buy the first three you should buy all 10 i do want to but i want to at least buy the first three so that i have one two three four five instead of just having four and five on my shelf even though they are prequels um, but there's other books I want to get first because buying one, two, and three is more of a, oh, that looks better on my shelf rather than a reading something new. Cause one, two, and three, and f- one, two, and three, I pretty much have read right before. Um, so going from childhood on to death, let us now talk about Hellboy in Hell, omnibus number four. That's a segue. Well, Colin, give us a summary and tell us the two stories that are in this omnibus. Let me grab the book. Okay, so we return to Hellboy in Hell, where we left off. He defeated the dragon known as Nimue and was slain by her as he slain her. Pretty sure this whole book is just Hellboy in Hell with a couple of extras. It's not... Well, depends. It's broken up. It depends okay. on the way you're reading it. So it's Hellboy and Hell, The Descent, and The Hell Card. So uh, Hellboy is uh, put into hell and greeted in a Christmas Carol fashion 
uh, with three demons helping him escape certain monsters that want to kill him. And so this book is basically just about hell, a Hellboy roaming through hell and basically deciding without deciding himself that he's going to destroy uh, the monarchy monarchy of hell. Basically killing his uncle, not basically, but he kills his uncle and eventually pretty much every other demon. He's greeted, he is also greeted by his uh, his brothers who want to murder him for being a halfling and he murders them and his uncle his other uncle or I think that was his uncle just some demon dude basically that uh, <laughs> uh, was telling his brothers to kill him and uh, but he's also greeted by these uh, just creatures that we've seen in the past that we, pro- we probably w- um, wouldn't remember because uh, they're kind of just there. One was a demon that uh, helped Hellboy in the third book to know where um, Nimue was and asked him to remember him when he goes into hell. And one other uh, masked phantom, basically, that has watched Hellboy through his career um, and just kept an eye on him and eventually it just leads to Hell- Hellboy uh, just settling down in a house in hell. <laughs> I love this book so much. It's so good. As Colin's describing it, I'm just flipping through it. I, I, I read it this week, but like, oh, the art, I think, is the most on point here than it has been out of the entire run. Um, I think mostly on a color basis. I know I talked in Omnibus 3 has a lot of really good use of color and <clears throat> contrast between the different color choices. But for a book, basically all being brown and red, and it just it's so vibrant and then when it needs to be dark and depressing it just is but it doesn't feel like it's washed out or desaturated or like it just has a filter put on it like nothing like that it still is rich and good to look at and the the consistency like panel to panel of of quality is just impeccable going off of that note i really liked how hellboy starts out a very bright vibrant red and just gets darker and darker and basically ends up being a pale gray in color like that's a good point there's a couple of things in between where some life is revived but uh it it's so it helps add to the feeling of descent Yes, sir. You know what's funny? Something I noticed is that I found um, probably a reason why I do actually like anime so much is that some of Hel- uh, Hellboy in Hell poses in certain ways that like uh, Mike draws Hellboy or his characters is somewhat familiar in the way of anime or at least um, later 2000s anime style. Is. Yeah. Because it becomes simpler, everyone's a little bit more sloped. Kind of like how you remember the um, there's two anime Batman um, yes. cartoon uh, like movies, but they're put into Batman Gotham Knight. Yeah. Um, the two, actually, no, most of them were anime. Anyway, the two that were very much like 
late 2000s anime. I love those so much. And that, and like how their body shaped are is kind of like how Mike eventually brought his characters to and his whole art, uh, art shift, art style shift. I was actually going to try to bring it in that direction myself. Um, this book feels nostalgic in, yes. a, in a way, even though um, the book was written at what, uh, turn of the decade ish, like roughly 2010. By the time, you know, the primary Hellboy run had finally ended after, like, freaking 20 years. Um, but, like, potentially when he had started working on it, whether that would be the art or the writing or whatever, it, as you were tr- kind of pointing towards, it feels like that that wave of, like, new school uh, kind of American anime that happened yes. when we were kids. Yep. Of You had that push. So you had, like... Um, BTAS, which had some elements, and then that kind of came back, but stronger in force in like the mid to late two thousands. Yeah, where you know we had Teen Titans, which was an anime. Yeah, um, an- American that, anime. That was during a time where the the Pokemon anime had a big resurgence as well. Like a lot mm-hmm. of things like that that were just part of the stuff that was around us when we were younger. This book evokes similar feelings, even though it was probably written um, afterwards by a decent margin. And I didn't read this book until like two years ago. And then most recently um, in like early 2020, when I properly got into it, like in depth as an adult, it still feels nostalgic. And I just really like that feeling it brings. I remember when I first wanted to start reading Hellboy, I asked you, how many are there? And you're like, dude, it's just so small. I mean, I know this and this about it. And then I start reading it. I'm like, I know way more than you do. And the funny thing, it's still there. Um, yes. I think actually one of my favorite things about um, Hellboy and Hell, like uh, uh, literature wise, is the beginning. It gives you Hellboy, a brief history, the first page. And... Um, I just love it. I want to read it. On December 23rd, 1944, Hellboy appeared in a fireball in the ruins of a church near East Bromwich, England. In 1952, he was granted honorary human status by a special act of the United States, United Nations and began working as a field agent for the Bureau of for, uh, for Paranormal Research and Defense. He quit the BPRD in 2001 and traveled to Africa where he was abducted by mermaids. After several years lost at sea, he returned to England, fought some giants, fell in love, and learned that he was a direct descendant of King Arthur and therefore the rightful king of all Britain. Shortly thereafter, he fought a dragon and was killed. That's just such, uh, it's just so good. I think Hellboy uh, Hellboy in Hell is my favorite uh, with uh, Hellboy uh, literature, art, and just atmosphere all around it's i feel like it's my favorite and now i might change it to i i feel like it's the best to describe hellboy i'm somewhere along there with you but hot take man please come in here with your hot take (laughs) this book still confuses the shit out of me (laughs) (laughs) i love that uh i really liked how he fought uh, all of his family that is ruling hell. I didn't remember that from my first read. I really appreciated that this time. Um, I still get confused about when he kills Satan because he's confused about when he killed Satan. And I don't like 
like they show it a couple of times and he's like, I don't remember that. But then like every single time I've missed the answer. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. His sister um, was the snake in the room and basically mind controlled him to kill his uncle. So maybe it was the mind control that I missed as like, maybe that's implied or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm just thick. Um, oh, you're definitely thick. Hmm. Wide boy Jesus right here. <laughs> what else? I had one more take. I was actually... Oh, the ending. Hold on. Before we get to the ending, I will, <laughs> I will actually agree with you that um, I was actually confused about the whole killing uh, Satan, too. I was like, I was confused on like the the second... Still on the second read. And then on my third read, I realized that it was the snake. So that was... I think that's a problem on Mike's part with writing. But the ending... The three shapes. Colin, yeah. you should go off on this for a bit. Okay, so it's it's super simple. It's written right in the back of the book, too. Um, in the back of the book, there is a letter to his fans. Well, Mike... you gotta dis- describe the ending first. Okay, fine. So the ending is Hellboy, you know, killed all of his family, the hierarchy... And there's nothing ruling hell anymore. And hell is basically not a, uh, not a torture chamber anymore. It's that kind was, of just, it's kind of just purgatory now. Really, really quick. I wanted to add that I really liked after he killed everybody that it showed how empty hell is. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. It feels, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say like purgatory more just like another realm, mm-hmm. like, like the basement of, of like Asgardian realms. <laughs> Like even, you know, as guardian hell is different than, you know, you have the different versions of hell and blah, blah, blah. But like even that it's like just the sub basement, like it's there, it's still physical, but it's just empty. It just reminds me of so many metal songs and CDs that are called hell is empty. <laughs> reminds me of architect. Um, Ooh. But uh, so the house that we see is actually his father's house, Bruton home that we saw in book two where he was talking to a ghost or it maybe it's not his father's. I think it is because there, there was a friend of his father's that was living in that house. And I think he was living in there with Brutenholm at, at a moment because they were both old. And um, so this is just a recreation of that house. And then we just see it goes into dialogue after uh, Hellboy rips off his horns and um, becomes normal Hellboy in his jacket rather than this hulking um, winged hell beast. He walks through hell showing how empty it is and then he uh, walks, up, uh, walks up to the house and the dialogue goes shoot it kill it it's a demon come from hell to destroy us all then another text in different colors says, no, like a little boy, Hellboy. And so those that dialogue is from uh, book one between a soldier and Brutenholm when Hellboy um, was conjured into that uh, church that they were at. And so with this dialogue, we go into the house 
Hellboy walks into the living quarters and sees three shapes, a sphere, a cube, and a pyramid. And they light up, and all of Hellboy becomes yellow in the background. And then the last panel is outside the house, and we see the room that he's in, and the window is fully yellow. And that's the end. So... Um, Explain the context for this, Plez. So the context of it is Mike wrote a letter and Mike was basically saying that he wanted to keep writing Hellboy and then he realized midway that he's like, there's nothing really more. I did everything I wanted to do. I was, I'm very satisfied with everything I've done. And what else can I do with a character that's already dead? And so... Those three shapes, he actually even says he won't explain them, but they do come from a story his daughter came up with and uh, when she was a child, and it was about oh, the wizard and the snake. And uh, we get It's a, included in the omnibus version, Yep, which has been illustrated by Mike, which is, it's so freaking cute that mm-hmm. he's just like, I'm going to illustrate a story my daughter wrote and flesh it out. That's cool. Okay, so here it is. The, Ma- uh, the Magician and the Snake by Katie Mignola, age seven. And Mike Mignola, much, much older. <laughs> That's what it says. I love, I love his humor. But, um, so basically, uh, it's just this magician that conjures up these shapes and he makes them disappear. I can summarize so the ending of the okay. story and how that translates into something yep. that's not quite so literal. This, the, the story from how Mike interprets what his daughter wrote is basically about finding the things in the world, whether that be around you or making them yourself. It's just about the things that remind you of those who are gone in that sense, because the story is about these two friends being the wizard and the magician and the snake and you know ends up one of them ends up leaving at the end of it and and you know leaving his friend behind but he leaves behind the shapes it's something that he made before he passed on or moved on however you want to so okay so what's about what you leave behind for everybody else and what they do with it yes it's open to interpretation what it is okay so this is how i read it so um the magician was entertaining the king and he made those three shapes disappear And then uh, the magician went and left and hung out with his friend, the snake. And as as the snake came up to the magician, he asked him, why you sad? And the magician said, when the shapes return, I will be gone. And so with that, what, after that, they're like, oh, okay. So we have no, no time to waste. Let's enjoy as much as we can together before you leave. The story is that the snake can't accept that his friend is leaving and the shapes return and the magician is gone, gone. And the snakes uh, says to the shapes, go away because he wants his friend back. So like, uh, like Spencer was saying, it's not about actually you say it, you say, you say it better. So instead of it being, it is, um, as, as Mike literally said, he's not going to explain it because it is something that has a different meaning for everybody. It is meant to be an interpretive ending. Yep. But, um, quote unquote, in universe, in canon, there is an explanation, kind of. Not what the shapes are or what they do, but in the sense of if you look at the greater Hellboy universe outside of the main Hellboy run, Hellboy 
does come back to life for a short period of time after the events of the, the main Hellboy run. But he himself doesn't have any character development. He doesn't really go anywhere. He goes on a short romp, helps basically save the world from destruction, kind of, with you know the rest of his friends and goes back to the BPRD. And then he kind of just disappears again. And it's about the fact that like in his life, he was able to somehow, even though his, his life like went to the shitter because he kind of let it and he ended up losing, like the hero loses at the end of this book. Um, the people around him, his friends from the BPRD and Abe Sapien and all of them are still able to move on because somehow some way Hellboy prepared them for him leaving unintentionally because he ended up like violently leaving most of these people, but somehow in his life, how he lived with the people he was with, how he was as a person, it was easy for his friends to accept that he had to go. And like, as a surprise, he came back, but only for a short period of time to help. And then he had to go again. And there wasn't this big tearful ending. It That, that ending isn't even in the main Hellboy line. It's an mm-hmm. epilogue. It's not meant to be, a hard ending. It's just a little treat. I mean, like, oh, he's back to life for five minutes. Yep. Oh, we get to see him again. Oh, and then he's gone. Um, I think he prepared them basically by being kind of just so closed off from them. In a way. So it's a really kind of negative thing in a, in a sense. Yeah. <laughs> Which I could probably relate to. I feel like I can relate to that. I feel like I'm closed off from people in that way. So if I die, you sh- wouldn't be sad. Which isn't true. Any closing thoughts on Hellboy and Hell? Um, I'm sad it ended. Yes. And then I came to the party so late. I definitely I'm, I'm with you on that one. It's like, oh, I could have imagined reading this as it came out way back and uh-huh. following it for like 20 years and then just having it like actually end. I could have came in like around when the third book finished and I could have been there for like the fourth one being made at least, but I, uh, I came just when it ended. Yep. I think overall, while the story can be a bit divisive, obviously just with the people in this room or metaphysically in this room, um, it can have a different impact for different people. And that may not be the, the ending everybody wanted, but I think art wise, kind of is like, this is definitive Mike Mignola doing Hellboy. Like there's, yeah. there's nothing bad about this art in any way, shape, matter, form. You can't bloody critique this stuff. It's just, Even no, because he does not, uh, he doesn't let it go unless if it's exactly the way he wanted it to be. This is God tier. Even though I didn't quite follow every beat of this book, it, it <sighs> It's one of the few endings that I didn't understand that I was good with. <laughs> Interesting. It's That's a like, good way to put it, because it is yeah. kind of like that. So um, um, The only other thing is that this is all I've read before, so the two short story collections I haven't touched yet. This will be a fresh read for me. Nice. But that kind of sucks because one of those short stories is Hellboy getting married and his wife shows up in this book. And I kind of want the backstory on that when I'm reading this book. So I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just saying that's that don't get your hopes up. Basically. I didn't like that story, but I, it kills I the completionist in me. I only liked the, uh, the ones drawn by Hellboy. <laughs> I mean, Oh my gosh. The ones drawn by Mike. We've discussed this. You're a purist. 
Um, I am a Mike purist. You have problems. You're yep. more of a Mike purist than Mike is. Um, yes. So that leads us on to what we're going to be talking about next week, which is the first short story omnibus. Uh, so as Jacob's first reading, this is going to be interesting because I think both Colin and I have offhandedly mentioned a fair few of the short stories. And oh, yeah. Obviously, they're yeah. referenced in the main book. So th- I think this is going to be fun because he's going to have lots of questions and he's going to be all over the place. Honestly, how we should have done this was read one, two, and then short stories one and two and then three and four. Probably. Because one and two now. are basic. One and two are intertwined with two and three. Yeah. You mean they're... Interlinked. 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 He said it. It's the first time Jacob wow. said it. Um, Dude, yes. we're peaking. This is great. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I think that's that's the end. So I will do the obligatory things where you have to hear my voice at the end of every podcast. So thank you for listening. Anybody who got this far, uh, please tell us in the comments or send us an email or something uh, what your favorite element of this omnibus is slash what is your interpretation of the ending would be probably a good question um so thank you to our uh patron business casual as we say every week um thanks because for your support. we cannot thank you enough and that uh, is why we say it every yes. week yes your your ongoing support is greatly appreciated thank um, you yeah, so that leads me on to the fact that we have a Patreon. You should usually go with that one first, but I'm really lazy with my segues. Um, so if anybody wants to check out our Patreon, we are on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash comic pros. How many times can I say it in a sentence? I can get like five more in next time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a lot of different tiers with uh, different pieces of art from Colin, some sketches, commissions, work. You can vote on topics get your name shouted out and you can put in all sorts of weird funky names. So that's, that's cool. And I'm feeling motivated and inspired recently with art. So there might be some things up soon. Yes. Uh, and you also get continual stickers. So anytime we have a new sticker design, uh, which we will be getting another one shortly, you will be getting, as long as you're still a patron, you are getting mailed updated stickers. So that's neat. See, that's more than even the members get. I'm out here in the Arctic circle and I've gotten my first two stickers and that's it. Not that. So it it pays to be a Patreon. (laughs) It pays to keep the lights on. Feel free to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us DMs, just not dick pics. Um, Or please dick pics. You know what? Why not? Um, Please don't. (laughs) uh, Send us an email at dimecomicbros at gmail.com. If you have any questions, concerns, topic, discussion, ideas, anything, dank memes, complaints uh, i had a dank meme today that i sent to the group chat and i was told i am not allowed to talk about it or nope. like it no nope. or Mm-mm. anything nope, nope, nope. and this is the real end bye what does the notification on facebook mean an admin approved your post in what? Oh, that, what what that is is Rip. he put our thing <laughs> on someone else's site so that people can check us out and uh, it got approved. So wait a minute, that means that there is an admin out there that isn't gay. Yes. Wow. Or and maybe they are gay. Never would have believed it. <laughs> maybe they just hot for us. Ooh, maybe I hope so. Maybe <laughs> free drinks. Maybe we'll get a sugar daddy. Oh my Ooh. gosh. I'd take that.
What did he say? He said, you better not be drinking my shit, meaning his drink. And I didn't even think about it. But now that he said it, I'm going to have a sip. Consider shitting into his cup. He has weird taste in drinks. He, he always has tasted anything. That's true. He asks for like random shit all the time. And it's like this really grape tasting drink. Come on, man. Excuse me, it's Kool-Aid. Uh-huh. <laughs> Keep that for some time. <laughs> He's still pissing. I could go for some fried chicken. I brought a pizza. You did? Yeah. Oh, Spencer's my sugar daddy. No. Did you know the reason why um, planes are painted white is because black paint is heavier than white paint? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's so weird. Yeah, that's also a visibility thing. Well, yeah, that too. But yeah, no, wait. Like, it, but like, why are all planes white? When it's because that, it's lighter. When it's that big, that's a lot of weight to take into account. When when a yeah, plane is like, that precarious, why is why is black paint heavier than white paint? That's my question. The, the dye is involved. Oh, you're so right. Because yeah, white is a base usually. Yeah. Colin, make metal noises. Oh, that's a good paper noise. Love it. Mm. While he's doing that, speaking of paper, uh, something I noticed, uh, DC Black Label books smell different than normal DC books, and I sound insane, but it's true, and I kind of like it. <laughs>